Welcome to the Principles of Success, and today's book review is Captivate. So what is this book about? This book is about how to captivate people. Being captivating, not keeping them captive. Yes, that was a dumb joke, but I've just thought of it at the moment, and I thought it was funny, so deal with it. So, Captivate. It's a social intelligence book. I believe I've mentioned it before, but I am autistic. So, studying social skills has been very important in my life to being able to be a functioning member of society, because I had zero natural social skills, zero ability to pick up social cues, and was very socially isolated because of that. So books like this are really important to me, and for a lot of you, they're really important for you, especially guys. Guys, I need you to understand this. I'm autistic. Guys compared to girls, every guy is autistic. We all suck at social cues, because women invented this crazy game called social cues, and you get to deal with it. Sorry. So, Captivate. Let's dive into the actual book itself. And the first takeaway is, faking it does not work. If you feel uncomfortable, you will come off as uncomfortable, and people will be able to tell. So if you are uncomfortable in a certain type of situation for social events, let's talk about networking. A extrovert networker might do really great at a big conference with lots and lots of people, craziness going on, and you'll get lots of contacts that way. A introvert might do better having lunch and meetings to network with people. And that kind of goes into the second takeaway, which is work good locations. If you suck at a certain type of situation socially, don't do those things. For instance, for me, I really suck at casual chit-chat parties if I am not the host. So what I mean by that is if a friend invites me and there's a whole bunch of friends that all don't know each other, that are all friends with the one main person but don't necessarily know each other, I feel really awkward in those situations. But let's say swing dancing. I go country swing dancing and that's how I meet a lot of girls at this stage in my life. I go swing dancing and I'm very naturally gifted at dancing and I'm very awkward at talking. So the combination of the two is I don't have to make a whole lot of conversation to be impressive. I just have to be like, hey, you want to dance? And then we dance and then I run away because I'm a chicken. So pick locations that work great for you. And then at those locations, you need to understand that there is three categories of zones. So first, there's the start zone. This is where people just walk into the room. At a, I'll just use swing dancing as the thing. It is the... Spot where everyone, as soon as they've paid, they step into this big dance room and they are now eyeballing the crowd, getting a sense of the crowd. Everyone does it. It's part of human psychology. You want to see your environment before you really commit to the environment. So this is when people are at their most anxious stage. It is when they're still all in their head because they're just getting over the fact of, okay, where do I park? Okay, I need to pay. Okay. Now I'm looking to see where everybody is. Do I know anybody here? Does this seem like a fun place? So they're all in their head. This is not the time to talk to people. Let them process and then enter the party. The next one is the side zone. This is the, um, this is the snack bar. This is the people standing on the walls. But this is also 
friends. Friends are your side zone. If you're there to meet new people, your friends are a side zone. And if you get sucked into hanging out with your friends, what's the likelihood of you going to meet new people? Very slim, because you're comfortable with your friends. You don't want to leave them and go talk to scary strangers. That's not going to work very well. So side zones. These are also places where it's okay to visit the side zone, but don't be trapped in the side zone. And then the third zone is the social zone. This is the place where people are there specifically to meet people. Like, for instance, girls are standing around the circle waiting to be asked to dance. If they're off in a corner and in a big huddle talking to their friends, it makes it harder for me to ask them to dance. And that actually goes into other social stuff, which I won't talk about because that's not covered in this book. So, next takeaway. I just suggested everything, so hopefully it all sounds still nice and good. Next takeaway is confidence is more important than a reputation or credibility. And this is due to the winner effect, which is actually a different book. But when you are in a survival situation, let's just say that, um, the guy who knows survival skills is going to have his brain rush full of dopamine and serotonin so that way he feels confident and is more outspoken so that way we don't all die because he's the one that knows what he's talking about so he'll be confident. And because of this effect, the that's the winner effect, and because of this effect, we are naturally attuned to believe confidence over data. Because if somebody's super confident, we just naturally believe them. So if you have, let's say, John, who has a PhD in nutrition, but then you have Sally, who read a blog post on several different foods that are actually healthy that, or several different junk foods that are actually healthy. John's a major nerd. He does not know how to talk to people. He doesn't know how to make look them in the eyes. He doesn't ha know how to talk in anything but a monotone. Nah, 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 nah. And Sally, well, Sally was, I don't know, what's the super popular girl category? Prom queen? I don't know. I wasn't the popular kid in high school. Um, Sally has lots of social skills, and she has lots of friends, and is very confident, and talks very boldly. Now, that's an extreme situation, so of course, for the most part, we'll still listen to John. But if it wasn't such an extreme example, you might listen to Sally. In fact, a lot of us still will listen to Sally, because John just doesn't sound very convincing. He's like, well, did you be... And Sally's like, no, I know this. This is how it works. I da 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 da. I like saying da 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 a lot whenever I don't know what to say in the hypothetical conversations. So confidence is key. If you are confident, you'll get all of the ladies, gentlemen. Think of like Flynn Rider from Tangled or um, the Alley Cat from the one cat movie from when we were all much younger. And yes, I just dated myself for most of you, because most of you are actually older than me, in according to my demographics research, or data that I have for the podcast. So yes, I am a little bit younger than some of you. But those are examples of super confident guys, and everybody loves to be around super confident guys. And ladies, confidence is really attractive in you too. When you're not in your head and not super insecure, 
It's attractive, both guys and girls. But gentlemen, confidence is much more important for us, for the ladies, than it, it, like, we like a girl who's confident, but it's not ridiculously important. The more confident, the level of your confidence is directly proportionate to your level of being able to attract that level of girl. I went off on a tangent because this book doesn't talk anything about dating, somewhat. Uh, so let's get back on track. Confidence is more important. Next, let's talk about conversational spikes. Small talk is boring. We all know this. We all do it for some weird reason. You do not have to talk about small talk stuff. Small talk is pointless and it is just a filler because you're afraid of silence and afraid of being actually interesting. So, conversational sparks. These are conversational threads that are actually somewhat interesting. They're not as boring as the, so, uh, you do anything cool this weekend? So, but some of them will sound similar. For instance, the first one is, what was the highlight of your day? It's still asking them about their day, but instead of it being like, oh, how was your day? Good. It is now a very specific, what was the highlight of your day? Another one is, what are you personally passionate about right now? Are you up to anything exciting? What's your story? What brings you here? You need to find great conversation starters, and you can collect them. You can use these ones. Um, there's actually quite a lot of YouTube videos about good conversational starters. I suggest you watch them, pick out several, experiment with them, see what ones lead to more interesting conversations. Use those ones with multiple people. Be rememberable. I probably over fluffed that one. Be rememberable. Nobody's going to care about you, your business, your um, desire to be in a relationship. If you are boring and they don't even remember what the heck you talked about. Because everybody just says the same thing over and over again. How are you? Where are you from? What are you studying? What do you do? And I don't think she actually talked about this, but you can have rememberable conversational responses. So if somebody asks, what do you do? One of my favorite examples of how to be rememberable is do not actually answer the question Seriously, make a joke out of it. One of my favorites is, oh, I am a professional cat herder. Or, it is top secret information and I cannot share it with you. So be rememberable. Next up is conversational threads. So when you're talking with people, every sentence is dripping with conversational threads. Your job is to find mutual threads that you can bounce off of, or more specifically, tuck tug in a direction. So for instance, let's say I said something along the lines of I went hiking in Montana. There is hiking and Montana in both of those. You can talk about Montana. You can talk about something related like, for instance, Idaho's right next to Montana. And let's say we're clear on the other side of this country. Um, you could talk about, oh, hey, I'm not I Montana, but Idaho's pretty similar. I've been to Idaho. Or you could talk about you how you like hiking or something related to hiking, like, for instance, camping or driving through nature. Those are all related, and, those, and that's from one sentence. Every sentence, unless it's a really boring sentence like, good, 
So with the exceptions of the boring sentences, if you're actually having the conversation with the person, then there are threads. Now, some examples of mutual threads, I just realized that this episode's probably going to go long, um, are mutual people. Let's say you're at a party. How do you know the host? Actually, that's the next one, event-related. How do you know the host? And then the third one that I wrote down in the notes is actually what I already talked about at the beginning of it, of interests. Talk about hiking, if the person mentions that they went on a hike. Talk about interests that are related to that interest, like taking pictures of trees. I don't know. And then next up is the five whys. This is the next takeaway. The five whys is a psychological exercise, but it can be used in everyday conversation. So what are the five whys? You just ask why five times and each why gets deeper. Now you don't just be like, why, 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 why? You be like, uh, so I'll just have a hypothetical conversation with myself, like I always do when I'm on this podcast and talking to my wall. Um, what do you do for work? Oh, I'm in nursing. Uh, why, why are you interested in nursing? Well, I just wanted to help people. You could say something along the lines of, why do you want to help people? Or you could say, why specifically nursing to help people? There's lots of ways to help people. And you just go, and it doesn't have to be five whys. It can be three, it can be seven. But the deeper you go with the whys, the more personable the conversation gets. And personable conversations are rememberable. Another couple of conversational hacks is uh, teach me. If they're talking about something uh, like, oh, I don't know about that. Uh, could you teach me a little bit of something along those lines? Um, oh, I've never heard of that. That's, an, that's another one. Like, tell me more. Or do you have any tips for how I am supposed to go talk to that cute girl? This one's for your buddies, gentlemen, obviously. Or girls of how can I get that guy to notice me? By the way, the answer is stare at him and smile at him. That's the easiest way to get a guy to have some confidence to actually approach you. So that's the conversational part. Now we're going to shift into um, more of the psyche part. So the big five, this is a psychological test. Um, there's a whole bunch of, psycho of personality tests that you can take. Some of them are more scientifically based than others. Like for instance, what... Hogwarts house are you in? But there's several that are really good. There is the Myers-Briggs, um, the Big Five, which is what this book talks about, and then another one which I don't remember the name of, and this isn't in the book, by the way, of there's four different categories of people. There's the analytical, the expressive, the, I'm spacing on the name, but basically the empathetic one, the one that cares really about other people's feelings. Um, and the driver, the one who wants to get things done. So it's the social one, the numbers one, the get it done one, and the feelings one. And so that's another one. I just don't remember the name of that. This one talks about the big five. Big five is actually probably one of the most accurate personality assessments. And there is five personality traits, and you're somewhere on the scale of each one of these. So first one is neurotic. Basically, on the extreme end, you're constantly complaining and dissatisfied with life and in constant pain. Um, and on the other side, nothing phases you. Obviously, there's some people on both ends of that spectrum, but most of you are somewhere in the middle. 
extrovertness, extrovertedness, being able to gain energy from being around people versus being able to gain energy from being alone. I am very big introvert, so I can be happy of not talking to anybody for days on end. Now, at this point, I can be very sociable, and because people equate extroversion to being social, a lot of times people think I'm super extroverted at this point, but I am not. So, I need to pick up the speed again. Um, openness. When you go to a restaurant, do you order the exact same thing every single time, or do you try something different? Do you go to the exact same types of restaurants every single time, or do you try something different? That's just an example of openness. Are you open to new ideas, to trying new things? Are you open to new adventures? Entrepreneurs usually are very open, but there are plenty of entrepreneurs who are not very open. Next up is agreeableness. People pleaser versus my way or the highway. Those are the two extremes. I think you understand that one, so we'll move on. Um, conscious Conscientiousness. OCD, essentially. Are you organized? Are you prompt? Are you, or are you constantly late and a giant mess? Those are the five different categories, and it is useful to know that those five different scales exist because you can essentially make quick assessments of people. So, for instance, if I'm talking to a girl, because I am in the dating sphere, um, and I don't really need business contacts at this current stage of my life, if I am talking to a girl, if she seems super open to stuff, I might use phrases like going on an adventure, a late night adventure, like try, do you want to try going and eating Brazilian food? But if she is not, then I might suggest something like going on a nice relaxed walk in the park. And if she's super narcotic, I just don't want to deal with that, so I just write her off. So that's the first assessments kind of one. Next one is the five love languages. I think I've done a, I believe I've done a full book review on the five love languages, so go check that one out. Next up, stories have trigger topics, things that will, as you're telling your story, lace in those trigger threads that somebody could grasp onto, so that way there's more conversation flow back and forth. Also, use conversational threads to start a story because you're not going to be if they're talking about food you're not going to jump in and talk about your story of hiking in Montana I don't know why I decided hiking in Montana I don't think I've ever hiked in Montana but that's the story we're going with so find trigger topics next takeaway is boomerang and I do not remember what that was so we're just gonna have to skip it and move on to the next parts which is having hook struggle and be descriptive so, a good story needs a hook. An example of this might be, you wouldn't believe the day I had yesterday. I plan on using that story tonight at swing dancing, because I'm actually recording this on a Tuesday, and that's when I go swing dancing. But I had a really crazy day yesterday, so tonight I'm going to start off the story with the hook, you wouldn't believe the day I had yesterday. And you need to have struggle. A story has struggle in it. If there's no conflict, if there's no objective to overcome, then the story is going to be completely pointless and nobody's going to care. And then lastly, be descriptive. Descriptiveness is super important. 
instead of saying, I got a coffee and it burned my mouth, be like, so I went in there, got this nice steaming hot cup of, I'm changing it to hot chocolate because I don't drink coffee, of hot chocolate and I'm out camping. I actually have a story that is in mind, so that's why I'm changing it. I'm out camping with my two brothers and I pour, just took a pot of boiling hot water um, and poured half cups full into each of my brother's cups so that way we could add cold water so that way it's not going to burn their mouths. And then we just had exactly enough water left to fill mine up. So I'm planning on waiting to not burn my mouth because it's boiling hot water. So we make all of our hot chocolate and then we're just chit-chatting and I forget that I'm holding a super, super, super hot cup of hot chocolate. So I absentmindedly take a sip. Needless to say, I instantly spit it out onto the ground and was my tongue was not very happy with me. So that's an example of an actually good story. Whereas I could have told it as I went camping with my little brothers, we made some hot chocolate and I absently mindedly took a sip of it and burnt my mouth. That one is nowhere near as interesting as the other version, which I just said. I'm feeling good today. I recorded the um, a previous book review earlier today, and that one kind of came off as super boring. But this one is energetic. So, I am going very over, but it is fine, so let's try and wrap this up. Vulnerability. Vulnerability is very important. The more vulnerable you are with people, the more that they will like you. I don't understand why, but that's how it works. Human beings like vulnerable people. Now, don't be a crybaby, obviously, but if you open up to people about your vulnerabilities, it makes them feel safe to open up about their vulnerabilities, and then you have more deeper conversations, which leads to people liking you. Ask for favors. This is the Benjamin Franklin effect. If you ask for favors, people their cognitive dissonance um, is like, well, I did this person a favor. I must like them enough to do them favors so they will like you more. Reciprocity. This one goes into both emotions and how you act with people. If you are smiling at somebody, they are more likely to like you because you like them. They are going to more likely be happier because you act happy. People are mirrors. If what you put out comes back. That's what reciprocity is. Um, and attunement. Basically, pay attention to people's social cues. If somebody's sad, comfort them. Don't be like, oh, ha, ha, ho, ha, 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 ha. Make them feel wanted, liked, and known. So, that's all of my main key takeaways. But she had a quick summary at the end. And I am going to quickly ramble off the 14 ha hacks a lot of which we already covered. First, social game plan. This is the knowing where you're comfortable with. Uh, two, trusting confident body language. I actually completely skipped over that because I think I've talked about co having confident body language plenty. Um, three, conversational sparks. Four, highlight their strengths. Make people feel good about themselves. Five, find similar threads to talk about. Six, respond to their emotions. Don't just ignore their emotions or brush them off. Just actually pay attention to them and respond to them. Um, seven, speed read. This is the going into the analyzing if they are high in openness or not. Also trying to figure out what their love language is. Eight, love languages. Nine, value, you val make sure that they know that you value them. 
people like people who value them. 10. Stack stories. So you might have one story that leads into another story that leads into another story. 11. Empower others. Get others to join the conversation and feel good about conversing. 12. Be vulnerable. 13. Be calm and direct. Do not, do not make having the conversation with you confusing and tricky. Uh, 14. So show interest. Again, back to the reciprocity. If you show interest in the person, they will more likely be apt to show interest in you. And then 14, like more people. People who like people are more liked. And I struggle with this one because I actually naturally hate everybody. I like being alone. I don't like dealing with drama. So that is the book, Captivate. And hopefully after editing this down, it is not as super long as it currently is on my recording number because this went super long. Um, check out my new book, The Blueprint of Wealth. And with that, I will see you all next week. Oh, and one more thing. If you would like to purchase this book and you would like to help support the podcast, there is an Amazon link down below that will take you directly to this book. And if you use that link and purchase the book, Amazon will give me a couple of pennies. So use that link down below. I, for one, would appreciate it.